From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 529. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet and Uni Pizza Ovens. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by, of course, Brad Dowdy. Of course. Hello, of course. Mike Hurley. Who else is it going to be? Of course. Of Who else course. is it going to be? No one. I mean, on the day we record the Pen Podcast, this is the most important thing for your day today, right? Like, it's 100%. undeniable that... Well, I'm here. You know, you are here. I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that you're here. Uh, you're not going to be here next week. Uh, we will. We will let uh, the listeners know that. And I have mm-hmm. a guest scheduled for next week's episode. Uh, you're going to be a, a little real bit good busy. reason for that, though. Yeah, Brad. yeah. Like I can't even give you much grief mm-hmm. about not being here next week, Mike. What do you got going on? September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and we are once again joining together to support the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, finding cures and saving children. Did you know that it is estimated that over 400,000 children worldwide develop cancer every year, and nearly half of them are never diagnosed? In the U.S., more than four out of five children survive cancer, but in many developing countries, this statistic is reversed. Fewer than one out of five children diagnosed with cancer will live. The most significant predictor of whether a child will survive cancer is where that child lives. That is why in March 2018, St. Jude became the first and only WHO Collaborating Center for Childhood Cancer. The goal of the WHO Global Initiative for Childhood Cancer is to raise the survival rate of six common childhood cancers to 60% by 2030. That's not very far away. And in uh, because of this, like to try and reach this goal last December, St. Jude and the WHO launched the, global, launched the global platform for access to childhood cancer medicines. It aims to provide free chemotherapy medicines in the next few years to as many as 120,000 children around the world of cancer. So we talk about you know St. Jude, we talk about where it is in Memphis and the children that are treated there and the research that's done there. But St. Jude's reach is global. You know, there were a lot of stories at the start of the war in Ukraine where they were bringing and helping bring children from Ukraine to Memphis so they could continue their uh, their cancer treatment. Nice. Like They really are an incredible organization that does incredible things. And we are asking you to join us and come together in the fight against childhood cancer this September. Together, we can make a big impact. And there are many ways you can make that impact. Go to stjude.org slash relay. You can donate today. You can find out more about fundraising. We have some, if you make your individual uh, donations, we have gifts for those. If you sign up to become a fundraiser, we have some incentives, some uh, Relay FM merchandise. You can only get that way. But the reason I'm not going to be here next week is I'm going to be in Memphis, Tennessee, preparing for the fourth annual podcast-a-thon for St. Jude. It is going to be on September 16th from 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. It's going to be an eight-hour variety show featuring many RelayFM hosts and special guests and fun activities. Me and Stephen will be back together in Memphis, Tennessee, broadcasting live from the St. Jude campus. I am so friggin excited i was getting emotional even talking about it (laughs) i have dreamed for years of being able to be back there doing this together so please check out the podcast-a-thon on september 16th and also go to stjude.org slash relay to learn more about everything and donate so let's cure childhood cancer together 
amazing stuff, Mike. And as the pen addict has done in the past, um, I forget how it originally came up. I was like, hey, let's raise some extra money mm-hmm. for St. Jude. It's actually become a thing with the pen addict blog and our listenership here that I... And the pen community as well. And the pen community as a whole. Like the pen community is hugely supportive of this campaign. And one of the things I do to to bring extra awareness and, you know, raise even even more funds and hopefully, you know, uh, let y'all get in on a on a chance to win a few cool prizes is the Panatic St. Jude raffle. So every year I get together with different makers and retailers and just sometimes just members of the community and put together a big, big raffle uh, for this year we have fountain pens, we have sets of fountain pens, we have pen storage, we have all kinds of participation and all kinds of goods. And what tends to happen with this is um, as soon as I launch it, we start to get more and more cool things. So y'all should go check out uh, the link we'll have in the show notes for the Panatic St. Jude raffle. And basically the short version of this is for every $10 you donate, you get a raffle ticket mm-hmm. and you're unlimited on the number of raffle t- tickets you can buy. And at the end of the campaign, which I will end this on September 26th, um, just to have time to uh, collect tabulate. and tabulate. And we can talk about it on the Wednesday uh, after, after that, uh, day on the podcast well, to I would love, get the Brad, final number. Mm-hmm. If you were willing, if you were able to get that number together for me by September 30th, because mm-hmm. we're going to be doing something on September 30th that we've not done before, which is a campaign closing celebration oh, where nice. we will unveil the final number that we have nice. raised. And so I think it would be really nice to put mm-hmm. it in context of how I much can, the Panatic well, community did. I can absolutely get you that number. So just for listeners who may be new to this last year, um, directly related to the Panatic raffle, it was over $40,000, right? Which is really, really cool. And the companies involved in this, you know, they put a lot of time and effort. So I'll have all the links to um, their creations, their shops. Um, Like already we have Tesori Fountain Pens made two custom pens for this, right? Which are... Beautiful. <laughs> Y'all got to read the descriptions on they these. Uh, they're really cool. Stunning. Pens. Yeah. Yep. I picked up a couple things in San Francisco, a Toyoka Craft fountain pen box, which everyone really, really enjoys seeing. Hype. I picked Big hype, right? <laughs> that is a Mike big was hype. Excited. Hype. Mike was excited when he saw all this stuff in here because he so had looked at beautiful. it. Beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> it's sitting on my desk, like in the box. And I was like, I should just open this up and use it. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, now you get the added of like pre-loved by Brad Dowdy. Like we now just increase the price of the item. You know? I accidentally shipped some of my pins in it. Yeah, that, oh. that it, it, no, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, but you can, you know, we are raffling off some pins as well. The Enigma Blanks Purple Stripe Jellyfish Collection, which is not only a pen, it's a pen, it's a nib. It's a nib design. It's a custom pen by Sean Newton. It's an Enigma pen blanks and a custom nib from Custom Nib Studio from Gina. Uh, Venta custom like ink and a the custom Avengers notebook. coming together <laughs> and making a pen, this one, right? That is definitely assembled. Enigma yeah. also assembled a full stationary favorites kit, which has inks and notebooks and washi tape and a plush cat. And then Match. we have the pen pinquisition pin cue um and the funny we need to get you this manny uh mike the manny single sample vial holder it's a 3d pinned head very appreciated of the 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 block i hate this head thing 
Yeah, hey, it makes me feel <laughs> not good. <laughs> it's here. It's probably here for a reason because mm-hmm. it is going to make you go hmm <laughs> in the best way possible. So, uh, um, and we'll have more throughout the the coming weeks. I already have a couple other things I'm working on in the background. So mm-hmm. this will be the main post. I'll post updates on the pen addict when I update the main post with the new goods. So I'm not going to do an add-on post for each thing. We're going to keep this one main post. And we'll talk I'll about it on the show other too. Posts. Like, yeah. you know, in a couple of weeks' time. Bragg, will you allow me to just read out the rules? For yes, entry, please Just so they're nice and clear for everybody? Yes. Okay, so for every $10 you donate via the Relay FM for St. Jude 2022 page, so I will say that this can be for any campaign. Well, you, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this, but I'm just letting you know. Any campaign. So we're doing the, the fundraising sub-campaigns this year. Any donation you make at all to any of those, as long as it goes towards the Relay FM um, for St. Jude campaign, right, which they all do, any of those are available. So any donation you make to St. Jude via via the the Relay FM campaign or any sub-campaign is eligible for this raffle. You are not limited to how much you donate or how many entries you have. For example, $20 equals two entries, $100 donated equals 10 entries. Uh, as Brad says, we're trying to make as much money as possible for the kids, so mm-hmm. go wild. Mm-hmm. And donations made through any Rear FM affiliated community campaign are also eligible. We have over 100 people who have signed up to find Wow, that's um, cool. So poke around and take a look. Maybe if you've got some friends, especially if you're on our Discord, find someone and donate to them, right? And, and it helps everybody out. And you could do multiple, like you could donate $10 here, $20 there, yeah. you know, $50 to a, a different campaign. Like spread if you want to spread it around for these different campaigns, just make sure I get all the receipts, which Mike's about to tell you about how to do that. You can also donate to your own campaign if you have a sub-campaign set up. Nice. Um, after you donate, forward a copy of your donation receipt or a screenshot, including the amount and date of donation to com. That's S-T-J-U-D-E, St. Jude at penaddict.com. We have 2022 raffle in the subject line. Only donations timestamped on or after September 6th at noon Eastern will be eligible up until 11.59 p.m. on September 26th. So basically... From when you're listening to September 26th, right? Is the yep. easiest Almost way to three think weeks. About this. Almost three weeks. So yeah. All entries will be added to a spreadsheet and, and a random.org uh, will be used to select the winners. All winners will be contacted directly via email if selected. So it's very important that you email the yeah. donation receipt so we have your email address. Well, Brad has yeah, your email. The best way for me to do this is to manually track it in a spreadsheet. I've done this for years. I've kind of got a system down. Good. It works pretty well. It's a lot of, you know, it's extra work, but hey, it's for it's for the kids. It's for the and kids. We en- enjoy doing it. And then uh, we just, uh, we add it all up at the end and, and go to town. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. And I appreciate everyone's support. And uh, I know Mike and Steven and the whole Relay FM team uh, appreciate it very much. And uh, I sure, I'm sure uh, St. Jude, uh, I'm I'm sure looking forward to the the big stream uh, coming up next yeah, week. Uh, so if you want a, re- uh, a refresher of the rules and all that kind of stuff, uh, just go to show notes today. You'll find a link to Brad's post. Yep. I'll, you don't have to remember all that. It's listed in the post and we'll be sharing it plenty over the next few weeks. The most important thing is that you donate at stjude.org slash relay. Yep. Yep. That is the key. <laughs> 
All right, Mike, I am heading to Orlando. You're not the only one on the road, uh, mm-hmm. except my travel is a little <laughs> a little more convenient this weekend than your travel. I am leaving uh, Friday morning, uh, way early in the morning, so I can get on the road to, to head to the Orlando Pin Show, which Are you is- you driving? F- I am driving. How long I does that driving. take? Less than six hours, hopefully. Okay, that's so not too not, bad, right? No, like If you think of how long it would take with the flights of all the airport- shenanigans mm-hmm. right it's actually not absolutely bad absolutely and it's a short trip right it's a two-day show it's a friday saturday show so i'm not even going to go thursday night i'm going to go friday morning get up at like 5 a.m get there around noon friday and then spend the rest of the day friday all day saturday then head out sunday morning head back i'll be home early sunday afternoon but i'm looking forward to it the um the the promoters have been doing a good job. They have lots of good vendors coming. The hotel setup looks nice. Um, it's attached to a mall, so there's lots That's of pretty, food options. It's pretty beautiful from their website, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's really nice. So I, I'm really looking forward. Wait, did I, you say it was attached to a mall? Yes. My gosh, is it the only pen show in a convenient location? <laughs> that it's a big deal, right? Unbelievable. Like, even though I'm driving and we'll have a car to have everything within walking distance, like and literally attached to the same hotel, it's basically like the Waffle House attached to the Atlanta Hotel, that except is so times a hundred. So yeah. helpful. Yeah. So it is attached to like just tons of eating options and tons of hanging out options and tons of hey, I need to take a break and walk around options. Right. So it's I like that setup. It's mm-hmm. it's cool to have that access for people who travel. Now, a lot of people will come locally and, you know, it's not necessarily a big deal, but I'm sure the vendors and uh, the overnight uh, participants will certainly enjoy having that access. So I am going to learn about it. Right. I just want to see what a first time show is like, see uh, what the, what the um, facility is like the hotel see how the shows run and just see all my friends that didn't, some people didn't make it to San Francisco, you know, on the other side of the country. So I'll be back over here on the East coast and uh, I will definitely bring a full recap uh, to everyone in two weeks, uh, not next week because we are pre-recording a show as we mentioned up top. So we'll do you and I will do a full Orlando pin show recap. Yeah, down the line in uh, probably two weeks time. So yeah, I look forward to it. Um, You know, I'm mostly just going to be hanging out, taking it all in. You know, I I spent a lot of the budget at San Francisco, so there's a limited budget left. But uh, who knows, maybe I'll pick up more items for the the St. Jude raffle over at panatic.com. So that's the plan. That's the working plan. But it's going to be chill. It's going to be fun. I get to drive to it so I don't have to stress about travel too much. And uh, I just look forward to a pretty chill pin show weekend. And that's coming up. So if you're in Orlando, definitely come say hi. I will be there most of the show outside of Friday morning. I'll be there pretty much the entire time the show's open. So definitely come say hi. If you've been listening to Brad talk about pen shows these last couple of weeks and you're like, man, I want to go to a pen show. Well, let me tell you about a pen show that you can go to from your very phone. It's Pen Chalet. We should call it Pen Chalet, right? <laughs> Pen Chalet. Pen Chalet. Uh, because Pen Chalet, everything you're looking for, you know? They got it all. And that's what you're not going to get at a Pen Chalet, but they got all of it. All your favorite brands. Everything you're looking for. Ink. We're looking for refills. We're looking for pen holders, carrying cases, rollables, fountain pens, mechanical pencils, ballpoints, everything. Fast, reliable customer service. Discounts every single month. Every two weeks, you'll find things being added to the store, discounts on the store. It's fantastic. They sell internationally as well, of course, right? It's difficult 
If you're, you know, if you're all the way across the ocean, how could you go to the Pen Show? You don't need to. Just go to Pen Chalet. They have great shipping rates internationally. Free shipping on orders of over seventy-five dollars in the U.S. All you have to do right now is go to penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password Pen Addict. And you might say to me, Mike, I can always get a good deal at a Pen Show. Well, let me tell you, you can get ten percent off anything at any time at Pen Chalet. That's a good deal. Just when you go there, so go to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password penaddict, and you will get 10% on anything at any time at Penchalet and a selection of wonderful deals just because you listen to this very show like what, Brad? These Mayora prices are really, really crazy good. So the Mayora Alpha Eyedropper and the Mayora Alpha Flex. That, that's a name, Mike. That's like the Mayora Giga Chad. Yes, <laughs> the Alpha Flex. It's the, uh, the Alpha Flex yeah. Eyedropper Fountain Pen. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> name notwithstanding, this is a great pen. Oh, I really Brad, like Mayoras. There's a really good deal I, sneaking in here. So my point that I'm about to make, Mike, is you have to get stealth mode on what Ron's up to at penchalet.com. He drops in the hot stuff at the top like these Mayoras, right? But then all you hot. have to do is scroll down. And this one is literally hot. It's actually too hot, Mike. Too hot. It's too hot. Too hot habanero. Too hot to handle. Too hot habanero, you know? Sailor is Sailor North America allowed their retailers to clear out the old price inventory at 40% off. So there are some awesome deals on Sailor pins right now, including this too hot habanero. Which has got this an is, additional discount. Yeah, it's got a 40% off and your show discount mm-hmm. for a price that is just way out of line to what Sailor's current prices are. So if <laughs> this you're... is a better than the old pricing price, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is Sailor North America is we need to stop being asked why there's all these different prices closeout deal. And mm-hmm. it's, hey, it benefits consumers, right? It benefits us that are looking for these types of pens. So this is a great price on, this is the full size uh, Pro Gear, it's not the slim, it's the standard. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really good price, and uh, you should definitely check that out. Always, always scroll down these Pinchella links because there's like a ditch, diplomat arrow in there, which is a great deal. Like, and you know, Ron likes to to stealthily uh, stick some of these down down low in, in the um, in the awesome awesome sales section here. So definitely go check these out. Well, thanks to Pinchella for the support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mike, I want to talk about paper today, mm-hmm. specifically how I test paper and what I think about when I'm choosing a paper and you know what makes a good paper for me and what might make a good paper for you and things to think about um, when you're testing paper. So you have some experience in this as well. You know, I've tested countless you know, types of paper over the years, you know, for reviews, right? I'll mm-hmm. say Lamy makes a new notebook. I'm going to get that notebook in and we're going to test out the paper well how do i go about testing it what do i think about when i'm testing and i've also made products like you have mike you know with knock i had to pick go to a printer and pick papers get these stacks of papers to make my own notebooks and note cards you know how stressful that is to decide (laughs) on the final version of paper and i say this knowing that you very well know how stressful choosing a paper is when you're making a product so this week i was testing a big batch of paper for a friend who is making a notebook. Um, the friend is not named Mike. <laughs> it is not Mike. Uh, in, in this case, although I have tested things for you in the yeah. past, but I do this not like 
all the time, but reasonably frequently, people will say, Brad, can I send you like these five sheets of paper and just kind of get your opinion on them? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to do it for people. And if you email me and ask me to do it, I will do it for you. This one, Mike, um, the friend that will will name remained nameless, sent me 25 sheets (laughs) of paper (laughs) to test. Uh, Two, five. So different ones, different sheets, 25 different papers, 25 different papers. Do they even make those? You know what I mean? That's too many. It's a lot of paper. So I was testing these papers and it was a little bit intimidating at first. I was like, well, how do I decide and keep track of what's good versus, you know, what's bad and, you know, what's average. And can you tell a difference between one average paper and another average paper? And can you tell the difference between the two good papers or whatever the, the numbers are? So I got to thinking about it was like, well, let me, let me talk about this on the podcast. So when other people might be testing a notebook of their own, you know, or they're at a stationary store with testers or a pin show with testers and they can check, or they get a new notebook and what are they thinking about when they're deciding what pens to use in them, right? Because Mm -hmm. not every paper is good for every pen or pencil, right? Like, you know that, I know that. These are the things. So what makes a good paper? What do I look for in a paper? What tools do I use to test? And importantly, Mike, what are my personal biases, right? Because I write a certain way, Mm. you know, it's blocky, it's printed, it's not, and it's small, you know, it's not cursive and loopy, and script and flowing, right? So I have to think about that. So to lead it off, I have to say there is no such thing as a perfect paper. Not for me, not for you, not for anybody. You have to get close though. And you can get really, really close to perfect. And if you ever say that you found the perfect paper, I promise you in the coming months, there will be another perfect paper for you. But you can get close, right? Like I shoot for like, there's no like real math to like determine this. But if I can get most of the way there, like it's all answers 90% of the questions I have, right? About what this paper is going to be used for, how it performs, like I should be pretty happy. And, you know, once you get up there to answering most of the questions and, you know, all of those things, so you, you can get almost all the way there and you might have to make some sacrifices somewhere, right? Like if you have a great for fountain pen paper, it might be terrible, terrible for pencil, right? Like a lot of people will say that about Tomoe River, right? So is that a perfect pen? Is that a perfect paper? If it doesn't work great for pencils, I don't know. Maybe it is for you, but maybe someone likes to use pencils, so then it's not a perfect paper. Yeah. Right? It's complex and complicated. So, there is, I mean, I, I would say from my perspective, like, there is no, there is no perfect paper. Like, yep. It, for, for, I'm sure we're going to get to this, but just like for me, it was always like, and it has always been, uh, I won't find the perfect paper. I need to find what's good enough, mm-hmm. right? To, to, to get me what I'm looking for for the most people as well as myself, like to be good enough for me and good enough for everybody else. Because I think we spoke about this before when I was talking about the theme system journal. If I would have found the perfect fountain pen paper, say mm-hmm. Hobonichi, I mm-hmm. think that that is not the best paper for the general audience. Couldn't agree more. Right. And so I was trying to find something. I think that that sat somewhere in the middle of all of that. And, and I'm pretty happy with what I picked. 
and there right. will always be other op- there are good other good options but i think that's where it starts to get complicated right so there's kind of two general you know questions you're trying to answer mm-hmm. what is a is this paper good for a lot of different you know writing instruments and inks and what is this paper being used for because then that will determine you know what where your sacrifices can be right mm-hmm. am i making a pen for fountain pen inks well i can sacrifice other things right i can sacrifice pencil performance or ballpoint pen performance mm-hmm. right to get those things so you got to keep all that in mind when you're testing um so yeah like just in the general sense i i do look for a paper that handles most inks well right if i'm just generically testing paper like in this case 25 sheets i want to know are we going to handle kind of all the basics I can throw at it very well. And we're going to go through what what I pick and choose to test these these things out as we go. You know, I don't want any bleeding or feathering from any type of pen or something as minimal as possible. Like I, I try not to, I don't test for extremes. Again, you know, I want to get 90% of the way there, right? I'm not throwing Sharpies on these papers for a reason. Like we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I will test everything, you know, that I normally write with. Fountain pen inks, rollerball, gel, ballpoint, pencils, fine liners, markers, all of that stuff I grab to test and kind of get a, it kind of paints a broader picture if I use all of these pens on all of these papers equally. So outside of just like the bleeding and feathering, like that will eliminate a page immediately. Like if I throw a fountain pen ink on there mm-hmm. and a rollerball ink on there, t- two of the most extreme inks to test and they just feather immediately we just move on like i don't even bother right because if it's not going to handle something like a rollerball ink um and we'll talk about why the rollerballs are important to use for testing then we just need to scrap that and move on the second set of characteristics after hey does it handle a lot of ink well then i start thinking about hey is the paper smooth or textured um is the paper like a stark white base color or does it have a cream or ivory color? Is it smooth coated, like slick, or does it have some roughness to it? Then we start thinking about those things. So that's like the tier two options that we start thinking about if we handle the inks well. So I grab probably 10 different pens for this test. So I grab three fountain pens to test with and they're specifically... I, I chose them for a specific reason. So I grabbed a pen with a stub nib so I could put, you know, some wide lines on the page and have a horizontal line, basically the way the stub nib is designed. Then I grabbed a Naganata Togi nib, which is kind of in that architect shape. So it's like mm-hmm. a vertical nib. So I'm testing the paper in two different directions with a nib, right? So I have that horizontal line that I can test on the paper, then I have that vertical line to see, you know, is there any grabbing, pulling, anything weird going on. And then outside of those two nibs, I'll grab a very fine nib, like a Japanese fine nib or smaller to test out the fine writing on there. So three varieties of nibs to test in all different writing directions on the page. I also think about the inks that are in those pens. So one of the pens had an iron gall ink. One of the pens had a bright ink. And one of those pens had a basic ink. So with the iron gall ink, you want to see how the color changes on the page. 
that will tell you a little bit about the coating on the paper, right? If the if the page is, if the ink dries darker, it's probably a less coated page because more ink is getting into the fibers of the paper. And where if it's a coated page, the ink will dry lighter because not as much ink is getting into the page. There's a lot to think about with paper, mm-hmm. Mike. <laughs> this is why we're having a topic on it. I'm probably going to uh, cause more questions than give answers today, but uh, that's how we roll sometimes. One of the one of the fountain pens has a bright ink color. I had a very very bright blue because related to the previous conversation on the iron gall ink. I want to see if the page holds the color brightness, right? So I'll have an expectation of what this bright color should look like. Mm-hmm. Is it darker or lighter than that expectation, right? How does it hold like a bright color? Does the 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 color saturation look correct when you're writing on there? And then I'll just use a basic fine, uh, like a blue-black ink in the fine nib just to see, hey, what does my standard writing look like that? Because that's what I'm used to writing with the most, and that way I kind of have a baseline of comparison. So I think about all those things and all of those different options. Like I'm not just picking like a standard fountain pen with a standard ink and a standard nib. I want to try different things so I'm well-versed in what my expectations are for these papers, you know, what is the angle of the nib at the page and does it work, right? Is it smooth or rough? And, you know, how does all that play? I choose fountain pens to test with first, even if the intention for the product is not necessarily fountain pen friendly. So I've done that for you and I will do that always because fountain pen inks are water-based and that in itself will expose a lot of flaws in a sheet of paper, mm. right? It's a, I mean, I always do it because that's what I'm going to use, mm-hmm. you know? So, yep. like, if it's not going to work for me at all, I'm not going to go down that route, you know? Right. But, yeah. Right. So even if the intent is, hey, this isn't necessarily going to be for fountain pen users, I will always test that first because that gives me a good idea of what the paper can handle, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're just going to straight up bleed if the paper's bad. And if they do, the next thing I go into is a rollerball ink because those are also a water-based ink. And rollerballs traditionally perform poorly on, on just cheap paper, right? They bleed and feather and pull up their ink and it just you know tends to just draw out the ink of these pens and leave big dots at the end of your lines and things like that. Um those are the most those are the best inks to use to test because they will show the most flaws in the page. Right? A gel ink does not. A gel ink or a ballpoint ink, they're going to be universally good on most papers. Every now and then you'll be able to tell some differences. Like if I'm using a microtip gel ink pen, it may not keep a fine line. Like it might skip a little bit if the paper's poor, but then like a 0.7 millimeter gel ink pen would be just fine, right? So I do test a little bit of that, like the tip sizes on the gel, but generally they're going to be good. Ballpoints are going to be good. Pencils, you can tell a lot from. Um, A lot of paper particulars using a pencil. So I use two different HB LEDs. I'll use a mechanical pencil one, which is generally, I don't know, more of a composite lead. Um, Just like a, they're generally like smoother and have a more clay type feel because they're a little bit more fragile. So they're built a little bit differently than a traditional wooden core pencils, which generally you can feel a little bit more texture in the page. 
seeing how those perform on the page also tells you a lot about the page. You can tell a lot about the smoothness and roughness, the way the pencils look on the page, the way they feel on the page, and the way they sound on the page. You can hear pencils differently on the page. So that's one of those things. So um, back to the rollerball, I use the Schmidt P8127 mostly because it's a really wet, dark, saturated black ink. And it's it's the refill that we we've talked about a lot. That's in like the retro fifty ones and mark ones and all of this it's stuff. Also right? very popular now. Yeah, it's kind of like a universal um, rollerball, and it's I know what to expect from it, mm-hmm. so I know when it hits a page if it's acting poorly, right? So that's another thing is I use pens that it or refills in this case that I have a lot of experience with, right? So I know what my expectations are going into this, and how does that perform? Um, you know, as I'm going through my testing process, that's probably outside of fountain pens. The Schmidt P8127 is a great separator in paper quality. It will tell you pretty quickly: is this is this going to be good or bad? Um, because of of how thick and wet and rich that color is, and uh, you can tell pretty quickly. So, I um I then go into gel ballpoint pens. Um, like I said, those are pretty straightforward right you kind of always get decent performance from gel and ballpoints so then i mix in a fine liner after that so those are your art markers your drawing pens your felt tip pens those are actually a pretty good indicator of of the paper quality as well because the way those tips write in this case i was using a copic multi-liner uh 0.35 so sometimes with fine liners you can get a really dry line so you know that the paper might be a little bit rough or it might be coated a little bit differently. So I think when I get a fine liner on a page and it writes dry instead of like a, a thick, consistent line or a line that I would expect, uh, I start to think about other things. It's like, oh, well, that's a little bit different. So I'll go back and test like my fountain pens more or things like that um, because that is something you will see from time to time. Sometimes fine liners just don't work on these pages. Then I'll get into the pencils and highlighters and markers. And um, with the pencils I already spoke about, the markers, you're basically just telling like the ghosting, the show through, the bleed, right? I don't really use Sharpies because that's an extreme case, right? Unless you're telling me I need the thickest sketchbook paper that a Sharpie can't bleed through. Uh, Will you test this? I'll never use a Sharpie to test because it's just not going to work, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. You can get various levels of ghosting and bleed and you can do like a sharpie test on all of them but it's really not that valuable of information i'd rather test like a highlighter something that'll be used more commonly and as long as the highlighter handles the paper well uh, it'll uh it'll do pretty well so because again it's like one of the things if you are aiming to try and make paper that works best for a sharpie it's going to have properties that are terrible for basically everything else Exactly. Exactly. Again, that falls in that 90% category, yeah. right? Like if I'm doing this and like say, let's just say in general, we're making a notebook, like I probably don't care if someone has a bad Sharpie experience. It's like, yeah, yeah it's not really made for that, right? It's like there's, we can't cover everything and then you'd be happy with most of the stuff you use. So um, the list of pins really doesn't matter. Like I put a list of pins that I use in here. So like I had a uh, Naganata Togi grind with Roaring Klingner Scabiosa. That's the Iron Gall ink. I had a Journaler nib grind. That's like the stubbish nib grind with Robert Oster Blue Lagoon. And then uh, 
a Nakaya fine nib with platinum blue black, right? So that's like three very different fountain pen setups to test paper with. And then we have the Schmidt P8127, the Uniball Signo DX 0.5 millimeter, um, the Bic Crystal Blue Ballpoint, Copic Multiliner, Pentel 0.5 millimeter HB Mechanical Pencil Lead, Tombow Mono 100, and a Zebra Mild Liner in Smoke Blue. So that's like a range of products that will give you, that will answer, again, most of the questions that you know you need to try to solve when you're trying to pick out a paper for a project like building a notebook or whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. so i just write like normal like i'll write like literally like the product name hey big big crystal blue ballpoint and then if i see something weird i'll just kind of keep going right does it perform better than i expected i'll keep going because i want to see if that's true right did you know this fountain pen did this iron gall ink like hold the color really really well and not bleed at all and also dry quickly okay let me test that more because that was interesting right or did it soak into the paper immediately it's like okay i don't really need to test that anymore it just like this page just like absorb the ink completely and i can just move on and test something else you know usually like the really bad performance you can tell quick the really good performance you want to explore a little bit more and make sure like you're not seeing things or you know there's some weird expectation that you had that that wasn't met so you kind of get um you know a, a little bit broader view of it so i'll also kind of like color in some blocks right outside of lettering i'll just you know make like color blocks just to see what the ghosting's like what the bleed is like what the dry time is like you know, things like that. How does it feel on the page? Is the color accurate to my expectations? Um, and then, yeah, then I kind of group all the papers as I go through them. I can tell pretty quickly which, if a paper performs better than another one, you kind of have your like, your first pass, right? So like if I have 25 pages, I might have 10 that were good, And then 15 that were, you know, average or poor. Well, I'll send those 15 off to the side. I'll look at these 10 again. And were there any that stand out from that? And there might be two or three that separate themselves from like the best of the bunch. And then, okay, these are average. And then a whole group of pages that I wouldn't even consider. Right. So that's kind of how I break it all down. And it's really complicated for an easy thing. Hey, test out my paper. Tell you what you think. Well, I obsess over this stuff a little bit, right? So, and it's hard to, you know, finally make the final call, right? And you know this from experience. When you make the final call, this is what we're going to production with. You want to have gotten it right. So like I try to like put all of this effort in there to try to get it right and uh, help other people providing information um, with this. So like out of 25 pages, I think I had four mm-hmm. that were like the tier one pages um so like it's not easy to find like a really great paper that works universally well with all types of products right that was 25 different pages and like i would be like the most happy with like four of them and it, i'm 
I'm trying to think back. I didn't put the list in front of me. It might have only been three. Like that's how that's how tough it is to find like a really, really great paper. So when you, you know, shop with companies whose paper you love, you know, like we love Mormon and Midori and all these papers, that is really hard to find that really, really good paper that they use on a daily basis. So I, I definitely appreciate what they go through to bring us all like wonderful products like that. So this is a fun experiment for me. I enjoy doing it. Um, it is nerd level high to to kind of decipher what's the difference between paper number one and paper 25. But I thought I would talk about this a little bit just to show people or tell people that there's no perfect paper. How you use the paper is going to differ how I use the paper. And it's going to take some time to find the perfect paper for you. And as soon as you think you found it, it's probably going to change in like three to six months. <laughs> and then the printer is going to go out of business. And then, you know, we'll all run around uh, trying to hoard as much paper as we can. So don't paper's hard, Mike. Don't like that, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't we say don't that like out loud. Is that, about that. Is that too right. close to home? Is that too close to home, Mike? I, so I definitely don't lie awake at night thinking about that sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're looking for like universal performance right like there's not going to be that perfect paper sometimes you're going to have to settle for things but figure out what you want the most you know do you want do you want a paper that shows fountain pen shading the best well you're going to have to put in some work do you want a paper that feels great with pencil that's not too smooth but you know has a good texture for pencils you know you got to work at that right and it's it's very personal to yourself um my like primary paper is like i love bank paper right mm -hmm. it checks all the boxes for all the types of pens I use. I also don't recommend it a lot because some people just don't like how it feels or, you know, maybe not don't like the, the cream color of it, you know, whatever. There's a litany of reasons why some people like certain papers and some don't, but uh, yeah. So figuring all that stuff out, it's a, it's a fun challenge. That's why we're in this stationary game, Mike. <laughs> it's a fun challenge. It most certainly is. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by our friends at Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas to let you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni Pizza Ovens are super easy to use and super portable. They're going to fit into any outside space. Uni Pizza Ovens can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 500 degrees Celsius, letting you cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. It's that high temperature that separates these pizzas from those that you make in a home oven. One of Uni's most popular models is the Uni Coda 16, a gas-powered oven that can cook 16-inch pizzas with an innovative L-shaped burner at the back so you have even heat distribution throughout. Uni Pizza Ovens start at just $299 of free shipping to the US, UK, and EU. One of the other models that people really love is the multi-fueled Unikaru, which you can choose to power with wood, charcoal, or gas. They also make a really great app to help you perfect your dough recipe and give you loads of pizza-making tips. Brad, you're a big uh, Uni household, right? Love the Uni. It is one of the products that makes me smile the most when I use it repeatedly, right? I never get tired of using the uni because you tell yourself, ah, this shouldn't work. There's no way this works. And it actually works brilliantly. And all you can do is smile. <laughs> it's like, what is happening here? And why is this so amazing? So yeah, we super love the uni, the uni here. Big fans. 
Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni Pizza Oven, which could be up to $50 off an Uni Coda 16. Just go to uni.com and use the code ADDICT2022 at checkout. When you're there, you'll also find a great range of accessories as well. The Uni Pizza Oven is the perfect tool for creating excellent pizza at home. This is why they are always in high demand. So if you want one, go right now to uni.com and use the code ADDICT2022 for 10% off. Uni Pizza Ovens are the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. And thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for their support of this show and Relay FM. Should we finish up right, today with some RSTPA questions, Brad? Yes, and I jumped this question up to the top, so sorry if there's some other questions. This is a very uh, relatable question based on what we've been talking about today and last week. All right. Joanna asks, when you talk about your nib grinds, could you include a general guide for how one should prepare if they want to nib grind at a pen show, whether it's booking ahead, going super early to sign up, or whatever it might be? Yes. So we talked last week in my San Francisco Pen Show recap that I got several nib grinds done. I, Off the top of my head, I must have got five pins worked on, at least, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, uh, and Joanna brought up a good point. It's like, well, how? Like, how did you do all of that? Um, and there is some prep work that goes in ahead of time. So number one, I had to decide what I wanted, right? So number one was packing correctly. When I traveled to the show, I planned ahead. I knew which pens I needed to bring to get worked on. So once I realized that, I then started looking at number two, who has online bookings? (laughs) So that is a great idea, especially if you're only there for a limited amount of time. Like if you can only come on a Saturday and spend four hours on a Saturday you better book ahead if you can. Like some, not everyone does, um, you know, online bookings pre-show, but you want to start looking like several weeks out. If you know, for example, you're only going to be there Saturday afternoon and those, those time slots will fill up quickly. So you will want to do that ahead of time if at all possible. That really helps you schedule your day. It helps the nib grinders, you know, make sure they're, they're staying on schedule and not getting overbooked because they will, because they do at least most that i know of do leave room for walk-ups right so if you're like someone like myself i did a little bit of everything so i booked ahead and i walked up and scheduled so the benefit of going to say the san francisco show where i'm there for three days is i could schedule something on friday for a saturday afternoon or a sunday morning nib grind time right so i can go to you know whichever nib grinder who didn't have online signups or were booked i can walk up to them on the first day knowing what pins i've already planned on getting worked on and thinking about what i want to get done knowing where i'm going to be sunday morning can i book a 10 30 a.m sunday morning time at two o'clock on Friday afternoon, right? So you can do that if you have the luxury of being at a show for multiple days. Um, and then finally, you know, the the nib grinds, just the general guide, how you should prepare. You always want to clean your pen out, right? So some nib grinders will take the pens if they're inked up. I think they would prefer not to. Um, I have seen <laughs> CY with nib. Uh, with ink splattered across his face. <laughs> it's know? just good practice to clean the pen before you give it to someone to work Yeah. On, you know? Because... Like, be a good yeah. human, you know? Yep. They'll clean the pen. 
it, it's sometimes, you know, like if you don't like that just takes more time away, right. Mm-hmm. From like your window, because like I say, like I'll, if I book a time, I'll usually get 30 minutes and that's good for like two nib grinds. Right. Um, but that stuff gets tight, right? These, these schedules get, get booked and, yeah, and filled you, you up. You are potentially and, wasting time where you mm-hmm. can do a bit of extra tuning, right? Where they can right. sit with you and be like, how does that feel? Like, I've had that, like, how does that feel? Ah, uh, it's mostly good. Well, let me see, let me do this. How does it feel now? You know, like that kind of backwards and forwards. Yeah. I think and really that's good. a great point is this is, this is a, a two way street in this nib grind. You don't hand your pen over and then get it back and leave. Right. You work on it with whoever your nib grinder is. Right. You say, you know, like, uh, for example, when I sat with, uh, JC, uh, at the nib tailor, I was going to do an architect. He first gave me a little piece of sandpaper and the nib to write very lightly on like a little little circles so he could kind of look at my angle right that's built into my time to sit and get my nib worked on well he's taking the extra steps to say hey if i'm going to do an architect it's a particular angle so let me get brad to take this nib hold it normally right over a little piece of paper then i'll then like jc will see marks on the nib and he'll have a better idea of how to angle this architect grind right this is like it's a collaborative effort when you're working with a nib grinder, right? It's not like a one way, one way thing where you're just like, you know, like stop and shop and picking something up off the counter and going to the checkout, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a conversation and you're working together to get this done. And that's what all like every nib grinder, like that's the experience they want because they want you to have, you know, a good writing experience when you're done. So you can, there's a lot of back and forth and you don't hesitate to say, Hey, this doesn't feel right. And you know, tell them what you're thinking and what you're feeling and they can look at it and y'all can all get it all dialed in. So yeah, that's, that's in your time. So back to having the pen clean, definitely have it clean because they will dip test it and ink it there for you as it goes into, they, they want you to properly test it as well. So you will have plenty of ink options to fully test out your pen when you're done there. So yeah, that's kind of the general general thoughts um we haven't even gotten into choosing a grind we've done some you know i've done some some talks on the podcast before and we'll talk about it more um on how to choose a grind but that's that's a completely different topic i think this is more about preparation scheduling setup expectations um before even uh picking out your grind and sometimes you know a nib grinder will help you pick out that grind as well a lot of them have you know a list of the grinds that they'll do you can look at that and discuss with it a lot of them will have sample pens so you can test you might think you want an architect you get there and test it out and decide that hey based on the angle that you hold the pen that something else might be a better choice for you maybe a cursive italic grind so they're all able to help you out they love working with you to figure out what's going to be best for you in the end and uh yeah it's a great collaborative effort and i highly recommend it but you want to book early all right another question comes from seth On a recent vacation, I decided to take two and only two pens with me. That forced my journaling into a rhythm of alternating back and forth between those two colors, and I loved seeing them next to each other. In my case, it was Pilot Hiroshi Zuku, Fuyu Siogun, and Fire on Fire. Excellent. What color is Fuyu Siogun? I believe it's like a cloudy gray. Okay. I mean that with fire and fire, damn! It's like volcano yeah, yeah, colors, yeah. right? Right. That's a good. Oh, here. That's a good pairing. Oh, keep reading. He he like lays it out there. Oh, yeah. He, he, yep. 
I love Fuyu Siogun, both for the translated name Riggers of Winter and for the cool blue tone. Mm-hmm. It's truly a beautiful winter gray. But we're not in winter, we're in summer. So my question to you and Mike is, what would be a good summer gray? Something warmer, maybe with some brown mixed in? I'd love to hear your suggestions. The pen I'm using is a Twisby Precision in gunmetal. I like this question so much, I went and hunted down <laughs> several options. Because I was like, that's a really interesting color and a really interesting thought summer process. Summer gray? Uh, yeah. yeah. so yeah like how does this happen so of course i went to the wonderful mountain of ink kelly who has just a massive ink resource you can go and click on color tabs so you can click on gray ink or you can click on brown ink and i pick one ink from each category just looking through all of uh, kelly's ink swabs and try to think about what would be my summer gray ink because that's just not words you normally say out loud right so the first one i found on was in the gray category it's the uh, three oysters doldum which i have heard about before i've heard people talking about this ink it's gray with a couple of little hints of gold and it's got this little summer morning fog sunlight peeking through kind of vibe going through it this is a very summer gray but if we were in the mood mike we could turn we could have the same conversation say oh yeah this is a uh, this is a stark winter gray with the the peak sunlight going through breaking through the clouds but it's a it's a it's gray with character right that's the way i see uh this ink three oysters told them the second one i picked was um kobe number 40 sumiyoshi brown it's it's definitely more brown than gray, but it has some interesting depth to it. It's like got some dark grays in, in it w- with this brown kind of popping through. It's it's a little bit weird, right? Like I like weird uh, color inks. Like this is one where on the page it looks different from the swab. Like you get two like starkly different contrasting colors. So this is definitely more of a brownish gray and the other one, the first one's more of a grayish brown. I'm gonna throw in a third ink which um, Seth did not ask for, um, a shimmer ink. But one of my favorite inks it happens to be a shimmer ink, and mm. it's brown. And it is the J. Herbon Shogun ink G- that they released G- last year. J. G- Herbon. G- 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 that is one of the coolest inks going. I can't believe how much I love Shogun. So we'll have to put a link in the show notes uh, for Seth. I didn't put that in for you to see, Mike, but I've reviewed it on the Pin Addict. I love, love, love Shogun. Um, it is a shimmer ink, though. So, you know, depending on what your thoughts are on shimmer inks, I am pro shimmer ink, Mike. Um, as we have uh, become over the years, I am a pro shimmer ink ink user. And oh, Shogun it's actually not is... even Giobon. It's part of Jacques. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. It's this is the big time, big time ink. This yeah, is full Jacques. Name. Set what sixteen seventy Jacques. Jacques Abon. Yeah, that's their that's their ultra premium lineup. That's there's no Jay Herbins around here. That's full on Jacques. <laughs> Jack Urban. <laughs> Jack Urban. Jack Urban. Uh, yep. So uh, Shogun. Yeah, if you are looking for an interesting shimmer ink, uh, go look at Shogun. Huh. It, it's one of my favorites. It's really really cool. Also, uh, fire and fire uh, greater than Fuyu Soyugun and uh, Fuyugaki was actually what I was going to say. Your favorite Fuyugaki. It is. Fire, fire and fire champion. Uh, it is. I agree. It's my favorite orange. 
Oh, nice, 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 nice. Not bias. No bias. Uh, if, you, if you would like to find the links to today's episode, including all the information you're going to want to know about the Pen Addict Raffle for St. Jude, go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 529, and this should be in your podcast app of choice. Don't forget also stjude.org slash relay. That's where you want to go. And don't forget the podcast-a-thon on September 16th at twitch.tv slash relayfm. If you want to find Brad online, go to penaddict.com. At Dowdy is on Twitter, Penaddict on Instagram, twitch.tv slash penaddict. Uh, Brad streams multiple times a week. You would just stream in with friend of the show, Jay Miller. Friend of the show, Jay Miller. Let's that put a, a fun link surprise in the chat. Oh my gosh, we had such a good time. Uh, we broke down uh, Jay's plotter, how he uses it, and plotter. then I then I played uh, Pen Sommelier, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which uh, the chat really enjoyed. So. Um, we we tried to get uh, Jay into some uh, into a new fountain pen, so we were testing all the things. So What's it's a it good stream. We'll put to a get link. You in a new fountain pen today. <laughs> <laughs> all the nibs <laughs> in this bad boy. <laughs> um, I'm I'm Mike I M Y K E. We'll be back next week. Thanks. To, well, the show will be. I won't be. Brad will be with a fantastic guest. Thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens and Pan Chalet for the support of this show. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. 